0: Well, hey, friend, welcome to Job with Julie. I'm Julie Slattery. And let me just remind you that this podcast is listener supported and it's an outreach of authentic intimacy, which is a ministry dedicated to helping people make sense of God and sexuality. Well, we talk quite a bit about sex on this podcast, but there's one aspect that we haven't talked about in great detail, and that is postpartum sex or sex after pregnancy. Now, this might not come as much as a surprise, but sex after babies or after kids is a little bit different than sex before them. Not only is a woman's body physically different after giving birth, but she has new emotions and there's a lot of fatigue, and as a couple, you're adjusting to a lot of new normals. Well, today, my guests are Dr. Jennifer Degler and Heather Mara, who is a pelvic floor therapist. Together, this dynamic duo is going to help husbands and wives understand some of the challenges that they're facing in their sexual relationship, and they'll provide some strategies and advice for what to do to make things better. So grab your coffee, maybe a notebook to jot some things down, and tune into this very helpful conversation with my guests, Jennifer Degler and Heather Mara. Well, we know that having sex sometimes leads to having children, but... (laughs) The opposite usually doesn't work. Like once you have children, uh, it tends to slow sex down. So I think particularly for women. And so I'm so thankful to have you two ladies here with me today to talk through some of the complication, the complexity, the struggle of how do you re-engage sexually um, once you've had kids. So you guys are bringing like expertise, fun stories, and great advice. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Happy to be here
1: glad to be here.
0: Yeah. So um I feel like this is such a multifaceted topic that sometimes when we talk about postpartum sex we only talk about one piece of it. Maybe we only talk about the biological or maybe we only talk about the relational dynamics and how that is shifted in a marriage. But I'm hoping that we can cover all of these different arenas. So Let's start with the emotional and mental health element. I'm a psychologist, so I'm going to favor this one. (laughs) But Jennifer, I know you have a lot to say about it. Uh, What happens to the average woman emotionally when she's had a baby?
1: You know, Julie, I think as I'm going to tell you, on average, what happens to remember that with each woman, it is individual and that you are on a hormonal roller coaster. Mm. So while in general, women are exhausted, their desire has plummeted. If they're nursing, they're not lubricating like they, they once were before. Uh, now that will change once they stop nursing, the lubrication will return. But they are going to oftentimes feel like I don't ever want to have sex again as long as I live. Mm-hmm. And then, but you may also have at times where all of a sudden you are filled with great desire to have physical intimacy because of that hormonal roller coaster, and so even as I share what I think happens on average, I want women to be aware that however you're feeling, and it's okay, mm. and it may really change from day to day. I can remember, if I can get really personal here, with after the birth of my first child, I, you know, I've been told, okay, six weeks no intercourse. Had a vaginal delivery, even tore a little bit, had a, a little tiny stitch. And then I remember one morning and we were making up the bed together, and all of a sudden I just felt like having sex. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And of course, he was very receptive to this idea. <laughs> but it was, I remember like this deeply meaningful connection because I felt like we had been through. This intense emotional experience of delivery and having a child and bringing a child home. Now, after that, um, I went back to weeks of not having (laughs) any interest in in having sex. But it's okay if during that time you feel all over the place. At times you feel very emotionally connected as you watch your spouse becoming a father, watching yourself become a mother, and also times... When the baby's crying and you're tired and your breast hurt and your nipples are cracked and you think the last thing I want to do is mm-hmm. have physical intimacy. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage women to be prepared for a whole host of emotions and physical sensations and to n- just tell yourself this roller coaster is normal
0: and at some point it's going to even out. Mm-hmm. And I would even add to that, Jennifer, that your experience after having different children will be different. So it's not like, oh, this is how my body and my brain responds. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's unique for each situation. For a lot of women, they struggle with body image. And I remember when I had my first baby, I had a C-section. I had a really big baby. He was nine and a half pounds, and I'm not very big. So at the hospital, I was naive enough to bring my normal jeans thinking I'd fit back into them, <laughs> which I didn't, and I didn't even have an alternative, so that wasn't a good idea, but I remember looking down at my stomach and it looked like this crumpled paper bag, and it was it was horrifying to me, and there's bodily changes like that that happen with weight gain and stretch marks and all kinds of things that cause a woman to feel less sexy, less attractive. First of all, how normal is that? And then how do you start to navigate that?
1: Yeah, Julie, you're making me laugh because I'm remembering I have dark brown hair. So I got that brown line, the linea negra that goes from your belly button down to the Netherlands. (laughs) And once I had that baby and all that stomach stuff collapsed, it looked like I had a Sharpe puppy with a brown line running down its
0: face for a (laughs) belly. And I was
1: four. Yeah, I was like, this is so unattractive. No one
0: warned you of that.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, when you're trying to be physically intimate with your husband, like particularly like if you're like, okay, I'm going to get on top, and then your belly's hanging down. And it's like, so it takes time to adjust to the changes. And, you know, I think navigating that, takes a really good sense of humor Mm. just as you and I are talking about this now that's a really healthy thing to do because otherwise it's easy to think oh well every woman's figure is snapping right back to where you could just bounce a quarter off her stomach it's so tight when in fact this is what it's like it's just in general we don't talk about Mm -hmm. it so it's so good to be able to talk about these things and to be able to talk to your spouse about it and say okay this is the part of my body that I'm feeling really self-conscious of right now. And maybe, maybe for a little while, you keep that part covered when you're physically intimate. If that is just feeling like I see that and I'm immediately, I'm turned off with my own self, Mm -hmm. that that's okay. Or like if women are nursing and you know, if you're getting at the moment an orgasm, your milk will let down and milk goes everywhere. And so just those sorts of postpartum changes with sexuality that in general, your mother is not going to tell you, (laughs) unless I am your mother or Heather (laughs) is your mother. Um, We will give you a heads up about that. But to have open and honest conversations with yourself and particularly with your husband about like what you're navigating. And then for the two of y'all to kind of put your heads together, like, okay, well then what, are there specific sexual activities or positions things you can wear that you could do that just help you gradually get used to and get comfortable with the changes in in your body rather than just trying to keep that a secret and pretending like okay I have to act like this isn't bothering me Mm
0: -hmm.
2: when in fact it takes some getting used to Mm -hmm. Heather would you add anything to that (laughs) I would say practically also wearing a bra during sex so then you're not leaking. Um, Picking out a piece of lingerie Mm -hmm. or a nightie that you like because you're like, oh, I want my belly covered, but I still want to feel sexy and cute in this. Or do I want the lights turned down? Because right now I'm just not comfortable with that. You know, this could be a journey of intimacy Mm -hmm. getting back. But right now for me to participate and let go, um, can you please not? You know, um, look at me fully or communicating and saying, I am highly sensitive about my breast and my belly right now. So, can you make sure that we don't make any jokes about this? Because I will take it very, very personally. Just hopefully your husband will be sensitive, but this is the first time for them. So, they might think it was just a joke, and you're like, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> this is not a time for joking.
0: Yeah, or they might even voice genuine disappointment, which could be devastating. Mm-hmm. So a mm-hmm. lot of women will gain weight uh, during pregnancy that maybe they, they it takes some months to lose, or maybe they never lose it. And they're mm-hmm. aware of it, and they're self-conscious about it. So I think that's good advice, not just to talk about it, but to help your husband be sensitive to the fact that you feel badly about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also good that you mentioned this is an adjustment for him, too. So right. Yeah. And where do guys go to talk about that? Like, yeah. they probably can't talk about it with their wives in that moment. But who prepares them for this too? correct,
1: which I think this is where yeah, for guys, to be able to have conversations mm-hmm. like this, too. And, you know, when I listen to my husband joke around with his uh, guy friends, they're brutal on one another. Mm. You know, if someone is bald, they call one another baldy. Mm-hmm. If someone is overweight, they call one another tubby. So they don't have the same sensitivity often Mm -hmm. to humor about a changing body. And, you know, I appreciate Heather's point of, you know, being honest with him about this is where the line is. Mm -hmm. And right now I just, I can't make jokes about this. I reference this Please don't try and lighten my mood yeah. by making some kind of a joke. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I remember my husband when I was super insecure about my stomach because he he that was the one thing that he would always tell me he loved about me. Like he's like, I love your tummy, you know. And so when it turned into that brown paper bag. I was like, Oh no, that's gone. <laughs> and I told him how sensitive I was to it. And I still remember, like I would try to cover it up and he lifted up my shirt and he just would kiss it and say, this is a belly that gave us our son, you know? And yeah. so it's not just not saying the bad things, but also really showing love and affirming that I love all of you. And these changes are a natural part of life. And there's, we accept them for what they are and the blessing that, that having a baby is. So that, I, I still yeah. remember that. That was a long time ago. Yeah. But. Way yes. to go, Mike. There you
1: go. <laughs> he really did
2: well with that.
1: He did.
0: And he probably didn't have any coaching. So now, guys, you've got coaching. So go for it. Yes. yes. Another thing to think about,
2: too, is they fell in love with you. And you're still the same mm-hmm. person, even though you've changed physically. And men, when they're aroused, their brain shut off. So you're still thinking about your belly and your boobs, but they are completely engrossed in the sexual activity at that point too. So don't think that their mind is mm-hmm. like, look at her belly and that type of a thing too. So we mm-hmm. come at this differently as a female and male perspective too.
0: Yeah. Boy, that's a good point. Another aspect of the emotional and mental health for a lot of women is postpartum depression. I've had Three sons, and during one of my pregnancies, I did have postpartum depression. It was the third one, so I wasn't ready for it, expecting it. I don't even think I realized it when I was in the middle of it. Um, how common is postpartum depression, and how do you know you have it? Like, I think a lot of women don't even realize that they're experiencing it.
1: Estimates are. I think this is really interesting. Over 50% of women will experience their first episode of depression after the birth of a child. That's not saying that 50% of women get postpartum depression. That's just speaking to how the act of being pregnant, that that really puts a woman at risk for developing depression.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's something about those chemical changes Uh, combined with um, sleep deprivation, combined with just all of the things that happen. And so I think for us to be talking more about postpartum depression, I know with my first child, I had postpartum depression, did not recognize it, even though I was at that point almost through graduate school and diagnosing other people with depression. And so one thing that I think that's helpful to do is for you and your spouse to talk ahead of time about here are some of the warning signs. This is what the baby blues look like, which are common, which are maybe that seven to 10 days after birth when you're just more weepy and you're kind of more just riding an emotional roller coaster. But if we get about two weeks postpartum and then you're beginning to notice those symptoms of it could either be a lot of irritability a lot. It can be detachment. It doesn't always have to just be, I am crying all the time and sad. That's certainly not what my depression looks like. My depression looks very much like I am numb and zoned out and very anxious and worried and feel really flat. So to talk about those things, particularly if you have a previous experience of any kind of emotional, um, whether that's anxiety or depression, And for you all to talk about that and what are some warning signs. And then for your, the people around you, you know, maybe it's your mom, your mother-in-law, your sister, your husband to check in with you. How are you doing? How are you feeling? And keep checking in on you emotionally so that you can intervene. Um, It is rare that women develop postpartum psychosis, but we certainly would want to make sure that things did not deteriorate to that degree. But Postpartum depression, that is something that needs to be treated and is treatable.
0: How is it treated? Is it similar, Jennifer, to depression? Like, do you go to a psychiatrist, psychologist, or does your OB kind of... Yeah, usually the
1: first place women end up going is their OB Mm -hmm. because they're going to already be going back for a follow-up visit, Mm -hmm. usually after um, delivery, and to talk to your OB. And OBs are usually pretty comfortable perhaps about maybe prescribing an antidepressant but they uh, hopefully they're also going to say it'd be really good for you to talk to somebody mm-hmm. and typically they don't want to prescribe for you long term so they would want you to transition if you're going to stay on medication to your regular doctor it doesn't mean you necessarily need to go see a psychiatrist mm-hmm. it can be sometimes take a long time to get into a psychiatrist most psychotropic medications are actually prescribed by just general practitioners mm-hmm. So, whether that's your OB or you make an appointment with your regular doctor to talk about that, and then to go and talk to somebody. And keep in mind, you may have other healthcare professionals that are already kind of in your orbit that it could be helpful to talk to, whether that's the lactation consultant, or maybe if there's some kind of other resource that the hospital would offer you that. Just talking about it, just saying, I think I might be depressed Mm -hmm. is starting the process of you getting better. And you don't have to figure all of this out on your own. Part of depression is it's hard to take initiative Mm -hmm. and you have cognitive issues. So that's why just letting the people around you know, and then they can help step in and say, okay, do you want me to call around and maybe find a couple of possible counselors for you to talk to? Again, with breastfeeding, there are some antidepressants that you can still breastfeed and use them. It is something to talk to your doctor about, but I would say a combination of talking to somebody, possibly also having some medication, and then looking at those lifestyle things. Are you getting outside? Are you getting in the sunshine? Are you exercising? Are you having some fun? Are you so socially isolated you can't help but get depressed. There's a huge link between mothers that are isolated and mothers that get
0: depressed. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So there are a lot of lifestyle things that we can look at as well to help nip that postpartum depression in the bud. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. When I think about my experience of going through that, my baby was born in February in Ohio. So you're not getting Mm -hmm. outside. It's long gray days. And also I had two other little boys. So I was so overwhelmed and not sleeping. And so I wonder how much of it, even in addressing it, is also sort of activating your support system. So, because as you said, you can't think clearly, you can't problem solve, but having friends and family members that can help with childcare, you know, just simple household tasks like laundry, cooking, you know, people will bring you meals for the first week or two, but we're talking you know, two, three months into this, you could still be struggling.
1: Yes. And being willing, oftentimes we're not willing to ask somebody to come and like, will you come and just take care of my child or my children so that I can go work out? Mm -hmm. We feel like I have to be going to the doctor Mm -hmm. in order to ask for something like that. But recognizing like that is a powerful way to help treat We know there's some good research that four or five times a week of vigorous aerobic exercise can be as effective as an antidepressant medication. But again, being able to somebody has to help make that possible for you to do that. You know, Julie, one of the things I do with um, my counseling clients, if they ever get pregnant, I tell them, okay, your first visit after you have a baby is free if you will bring the baby, Mm -hmm. and then I get to see the baby. But mainly, I want to lay eyes on them, and I want to lay eyes on them, I prefer in the first four weeks, but at least in the first six weeks. And I know if I give them a free session, they'll come in. Because I remember, I did not get help, Mm. and I suffered. And I look back on that and so wish I had had some treatment back then. And you can be somebody who is a psychologist and not even recognize Mm
0: -hmm. it in yourself. Yeah, but that's a good point. All right. Well, we're going to shift now to the physical element. And we already talked a little bit about this with hormonal changes and, and some of those things, body image issues. But Heather, you really specialize in this piece as a, a pelvic floor therapist. Some pretty traumatic things can happen to a woman's body through the course of pregnancy and delivery. Um, talk about what some of those could be or even what is normative for them.
2: Right. So research shows that approximately 30% of women expressed that their delivery was traumatic to them in some way. And maybe it was an emergency C-section. Maybe I was not able to deliver the way I wanted to. Maybe I tore and had a third or fourth degree tear or I hemorrhaged or the, there was something that went on with the baby and we almost lost the baby. So all of those can play into how your birth. Um, experience was and then impact your emotional aspect and impact your healing as well. So again, I would love to see every woman six weeks postpartum, go see your OB, get cleared. That's when the doctor says, okay, you can return to life and sex. And you look at them like, hello, (laughs) I just had a baby and I'm okay to do it. No, I'm not feeling that right now. And that's when I want to see you because whether you've had a C-section or a vaginal delivery, even if it's gone beautifully, I will assess your belly and your pelvic floor and internally, vaginally, everything. Because again, you've sustained, your body has been amazing, done an amazing job because you grew an organ of a placenta and a human being, and you delivered baby, and then you get one visit postpartum, but baby's getting like 11 in the first year. Like, let's take care of mom. And a lot Mm. of times moms are like, I don't have the time or it's not that bad. Or, you know, and likewise, Jennifer, I love having moms bring their babies in. I'm like, you can breastfeed while I'm doing the exam. I'll adapt and overcome. I just want you to come in so you don't have to limp forward and say 20 years down the road oh, that started in delivery and it's still bothering me now and it's gotten worse. So you can, mm-hmm. or you don't have to have symptoms, but go see a pelvic floor PT. So we get you back to where you want to, one of those things being sex, because a lot of times women, probably 30 to 80% of women have pain with sex postpartum. So if we can start that on a positive note, instead of a negative thing, and you're coming into tears, or I'm so scared, I'm I'm just don't want to go there. I'll walk you through that and give you the confidence and tools. And sometimes husbands come in. I'm like, this is how you need to help your wife stretch and those types of things
0: hmm Why is it that some women who've never had pain with sex have pain postpartum that maybe even continues? Right. And
2: again, you could have pain with sex even after a C-section. So 50% of women have that because some women say, I'll have a C-section and then I'll save my pelvic floor. But you can come out mm-hmm. of delivery and be very stretched out or very tight. You can injure or fracture mm-hmm. the coccyx or the tailbone. You can g- have a first, second, or third, or fourth degree tear. Again, if you think about the vaginal opening, and then you go into the perineum, which is a tissue between the rectal opening. So again, that area, as that enlarges and stretches, either episiotomies, which are not as common, or you have tearing, then doctor will stitch you back up. And everywhere there is a stitch, the body mm-hmm. scars down, Good job. The body heals. But sometimes it's so much that it's super tight and hypersensitive. And you're like, I can't even sit, let alone think about sex. And then we need to stretch that area, desensitize it and be gentle to it instead of just like, I'll just push through the pain. Sex will get better. I'm like, no, 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 no. We got to treat our body with respect and love. And I'm like, I tell my mom's like, you need a little TLC. So let me work on your belly and release some of that Mm -hmm. tension. Do some scar massage, get some lubricant because postpartum, you're not having a period, which is like a temporary menopause because your estrogen levels are low. So guess what? The vaginal tissues are more thin and fragile. So then it could be a lubricant issue. If you're dry, you don't just get like Astroglide or KY. I would recommend like um, slippery stuff that's water-based that is matching the pH of your body. Sometimes you need a vaginal moisturizer, which is like lipstick for the lips down there. Or sometimes you need to ask for a Mm -hmm. vaginal estrogen cream that would actually regenerate the tissue. So again, that's kind of like coming to the pelvic PT and your OB together. We can work on this together. And sometimes, again, not to scare you, but Mm -hmm. sometimes even we work on it and there can be granulation of the tissue and you're like that little knot right there at six o'clock, it won't go away. And some of the times the doctor needs to go back in and actually remove some of that scar tissue, let it heal. And then pelvic PT will release it and get you back. Like this is not a life sentence of pain with sex. This is more of a hurdle Mm. that we can minimize it. Cause I've seen women like a year and a half later, like, yeah, we just don't have sex. We don't need it. I don't need it. I have no desire, but it's, really hurting your relationship and I'm like oh that hurts me I'm like I want to help you get back to that point so you can enjoy that intimacy
0: mhm and how can husbands be sensitive to their wives through this journey
2: I would say again even going with her in the visits again I always ask my patients would you like to bring your husband in or some are like oh no 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 this is my journey or some are like, yeah, I want him to come in. Cause I try to explain this to him, but it's like a black hole down there. And I'm like, oh, totally, come in. And I explain, like, let's communicate yeah. with the clock. <laughs> like 12 o'clock's up, six o'clock's down, your pain is more at eight o'clock. So when he's helping you stretch, you know, you need to be like massaging it, like you'd be um touching a ripe tomato. Like, don't get aggressive. So a communication goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. And Communicating back and forth, like I may be touched out. <laughs> like, don't come at yeah. me like you want something from me. Maybe we just need to be on the couch together and just spend time together. But even if we're not having intercourse right now, that doesn't mean we eliminate all intimacy and connection. As a husband and wife, because that's so valuable, because he doesn't want to be part of the problem. He wants to be part of the solution. So a lot of times I tell my Mm -hmm. women, trust me, he wants to be part of the solution. So if you involve him, then that can be a lot better, too.
0: Yeah, Heather, you brought up being touched out. And I think a lot of moms feel this way, like somebody needs my body all day long, whether it's nursing or changing diapers or a preschooler just clinging to me. And I feel like when my husband comes towards me for sex, it's just another demand. It's somebody else who wants my body. Uh, How do you shift out of that frame of reference uh, and not get into just, oh, I have to do this just like I have to do everything else in my life and Really, re enter into intimacy as something that can be sort of a safe haven for you too. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think it goes back even outside of the bedroom. So, have you gone out on a date together postpartum? And again, we just had a couple in our Sunday school class. I'm like, Have you gone out on a date? And they're like, No, we haven't. I'm like, Bring the baby over, I'll keep him. But one rule. You can't talk about the baby. It's just about the two of you. And it's like, oh my goodness, can we talk about it? Start reconnecting outside of the bedroom. Flirt, have fun. Think back to, oh yeah, what was it like dating? Like this is a new place. And this could be after each pregnancy and delivery. It's a new place. So start back there. And then it goes back to touching, sensate focus, touching like, where do I like to be touched? I think, I know, I think about one of your dares, Jennifer, where you put a... A stamp at different places, and he has to find it blindfolded, kissing you. And that mm-hmm. can be a fun thing where you're just like, Oh, I love it when you kiss my back of my neck, but don't touch my breast right now. Because for me, in my mind, mm-hmm. that's breastfeeding. That is not sexy for me. You know, you just kind of like, This is where we're at, and let's play with this. And I think those are a couple things that could help. I
1: love that, Heather. And I would just follow up by saying, I think for women to, you know, we think all day long, you said, you know, Julie, you said somebody wants something from me. And so then sex with my husband can feel like another demand. He he wants something from me and I have to give. I have to give this to him. But to change your mindset, and, and this does require some conversation with your spouse to talk about this is a time especially When she needs to be a recipient and for him to approach this as I am going to bring her pleasure and to even ask, what would bring you pleasure tonight? And not to be thinking of, oh, yeah, and it's going to involve your genitals, but to like, what would feel pleasurable to you? Would you like me to brush your hair? Would you like me to give you a back rub? Would you like me to rub your feet? And for her to be able to really receive without the expectation that she is going to also have to perform sexually and to do something for him, to give him an orgasm in some way. Because then that can just feel like when we start out with that expectation, okay, he's going to rub my back. But at some point, I have to, you know, do some sort of sexual activity so that he can have an orgasm. That can just shut her down from the very beginning. But if it's more about, I am going to, he just wants to pleasure her and give her sensations in her body that feel good with no expectation. Now, something may arise in her and she may be like, I think I might like to do a little bit more, but there is truly no expectation of that. And that otherwise, over time, what we begin, we can happen is with women, we begin to associate that this is just something on my to-do list. And it's like number 58 to me, you know, behind brushing the dog's teeth. And we begin to make that negative association. And so the body will begin to armor up as soon as there's, he even like pats us on the bottom and our body is armoring up because we're like, I don't want this. And so that's why, you know, couples, I appreciate what you said, Heather, about, having that conversation, going out together, but also realizing you all have never done this. You've never navigated having a child before. And even if you've had a child before, this may be the second child and you've never had a second child before. So continuing to have conversations about what can we do now as a couple so that there is some eroticism and pleasure in our marriage that may or may not lead to intercourse or some other type of uh, sexual activity where somebody ends up having an orgasm. Mm -hmm.
0: Jennifer, there are a lot of guys who are like, yeah, but hey, we're going through stuff too. Like having a baby is stressful for me. I don't get to see my wife as much as I normally would. She's obsessed with this baby. My mother-in-law has been living with us for a month, whatever it might be. And they're listening to this saying, well, what about me? Like, what if... I want the orgasm and need that. And a lot of young men in particular aren't at a place where they can even say, yeah, I could do that for my wife and just minister to her during the season.
1: And I would say that is, um, they might surprise themselves in terms of, you know, we, we tend to rise to the level of our expectations. And if we have been programmed by culture to believe sex is this driving need and I will die without it, No one ever actually ever died from not having sex. However, I do hear the men out there saying, oh, but this, I I Mm -hmm, want this, mm -hmm. you know. And so I encourage couples, what would it look like? Even if you got a hotel room in town, like you could get one on Priceline at the last minute and somebody kept the baby, even if it was for like three hours. So you feed the baby, you know, you nurse the baby so that your breasts aren't rock hard. And then you go to this motel, or not a motel, a hotel. And you all have three hours where you're in a novel place. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be interrupted. Someone else is taking care of the children. And you all can really have time to laugh, talk, maybe you grab some food, bring it in with you. And then you do have sex. Um, what, whether that's intercourse or some other type of sexual activity. And just, ha- even if you did that once a month... Just knowing it goes, it helps so much. It helps a husband so much to see that his wife is trying Mm -hmm. and is prioritizing this. Mm -hmm. And let's remember in 20% of marriages, she's the one with the higher sex drive. Mm -hmm. So it can also go the other way where he's not interested. He's fatigued. He's stressed out. And she needs that physical touch and that physical release. So I would encourage couples like be willing Just like it can feel like a bold move to actually call a pelvic floor physical therapist. And Heather, I love this idea that that is just something that you do after having a baby. My goodness, if we were in a car wreck and we hurt our leg, we would expect, I'm going to have to have some PT because my leg has just been through something very traumatic. Well, pushing a baby out of your vagina or having a C-section is traumatic. Mm -hmm. It's hard on Mm -hmm. your It's a wonderful idea of just saying, okay, I'm going to do something novel, like actually get this checked out. Same with our sex life. We're like, I'm going to do something maybe we've never had to do in the past. Like, let's go to a hotel here in town for a few hours and see if we can't jumpstart our sex Mm -hmm. life again.
0: And one of the things I love about that suggestion, Jennifer, is that... It gives the person with a higher sex drive, you know, postpartum, it, it very well may likely be the man, it gives him a, at least I know we're going to connect or have sex on this date. So I don't yes. feel like I, I have to keep asking and checking in and, and proposing it. So it kind of gives him a, a time on the calendar that he can look forward to. And as you said, it shows that even though this is difficult, your spouse is making the effort. So that's Mm -hmm. a great suggestion. A lot of women genuinely feel like before the baby, before pregnancy, I had a high sex drive. I enjoyed it. But ever since having the baby, like I just have no desire. It might be hormones. It might be exhaustion. It might be some of the other things that we've mentioned, that physical pain or relational conflict. Um, But let's talk specifically about what happens to a woman's libido as she goes through pregnancy, uh, giving birth, and then nursing, how might that change even for a long season?
2: Well,
1: Heather alluded to what happens to your hormone levels. And particularly if you're continuing to nurse the baby, particularly exclusively breastfeeding, your estrogen levels plummet to basically kind of like what it's going to be like during menopause. And if you're also while you're nursing, your oxytocin levels are up there and Bottom line, what kind of happens in terms of hormonally is you may feel fond of your husband, but not particularly amorous towards your husband. So, there, you know, you're, you're getting this a lot of bonding hormones, but there just isn't that revved up, amorous, ooh, I feel sexy kind of feeling. And this is where for a couple to understand that, because there can be a lot of confusion where a husband is like, I don't understand, you don't want me anymore. They can, I've even had women tell me their husband is offended that they need to use lubricant after they have a baby, because he's like, if you were attracted to me, you would lubricate. And they don't understand because hormonally, you're not going to lubricate a lot while you're lactating. And so education is important here because people can really have misconceptions. And to understand this may be a season and over a wife's lifespan, there with sexual desire, there are seasons where you have more sexual desire and seasons where you don't and understanding that and for the couple to keep communicating about that and then understanding in a time where you're not as interested in sex, we're going to have to be really intentional about making this happen and making this a priority because she's just not all of a sudden going to look at him and say, hey, you know, the baby's asleep, let's go do it. Sex may not be crossing her mind at all. And it's not about his necessarily his attractiveness. It's about what's going on with her. So what does it look like for us to work with the season that she's in? And they will have to keep doing that because someday they stay married long enough. She's going to be in menopause and another season to work through and talking about what do I need sexually now from you and what does this look like? So those are, I I would love to hear what Heather has to say some more about libido.
2: I would say also we think postpartum is six weeks and then we should be back to normal. And fourth trimester is like the first 12 weeks of postpartum. Postpartum's forever, really. If we look at that, your body is different. Um, Not negative, but it's different. Give yourself at least nine, 10 months That's how long you're pregnant. Let your body take that much time. I say, give it a year. Now, again, are we actively moving towards more intimacy rather than just like, this is how it is. I've got pain. I have no desire. Just leave it. You know, actively coming together like, okay, the bedroom has (laughs) the bassinet. That is not romantic. Let's go to the guest bedroom. Those types of things. And then again, thinking about it, arousal or desire again a man may have the desire first and then have their arousal it's okay for us to be aroused first like oh, do i have to go to this party um, but then then the desire comes and it's like let myself enjoy it let myself be present let myself hey that feels good rather than almost holding a resentment or if there is another thing that's below the surface like he is not helping me with the nighttime feeding, so I don't want to give him sex. And, you know, so then is it like, do we need to go to counseling or mm-hmm. do we need a sex therapy? It, mm-hmm. It's layers of the onion that are going on. And then, you know, okay, oh, I'm taking something for a depression. So then my arousal and desire and libido may not be as much. So I can take that and understand that. But what am I doing to Mm -hmm. counter it and dance together? Like you say, Julie, it's a journey of intimacy. And sometimes it's just overcoming some of these obstacles and detours. But getting help, again, it goes back to, Mm -hmm. I don't want a woman going through pregnancy alone. You need lots of support. Postpartum, same thing, asking for that help and support.
0: Yeah. I have a follow-up hormonal question here that I'm wondering about. So you said... Estrogen levels are dropping and oxytocin is high. So you feel maybe close to your husband, bonded. Is it true that the primary desire hormone, even for women, is testosterone? Am I getting that right?
1: Yes. However, it's tricky because if we just give women testosterone, it doesn't automatically make them want sex Mm -hmm. more. So it's more complicated than that. And actually, I mean, women, women have... Their ovaries make testosterone, mm-hmm. but most of the time it's not a, t- in a, in a woman who is still having periods, you know, still having a, a cycle. It's not a testosterone lack that is causing a lack of interest in sex, but it, that, that could have an influence, which we know sleep. When a woman wakes up, her testosterone level is as high as, as it's going to mm-hmm. be. And it falls as much a third to a half throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So if she's waiting until 10 o'clock at night to have sex, that's the least amount of testosterone that she's going to have in her testosterone receptors in her genitals um, and in her nipples and in her brain and under her arms. I don't know why we have testosterone (laughs) receptors under our arms, but don't let strangers tickle you. So, you know, that realizing one of the things we need to do now because we're sleep deprived, it is very hard to have a baby and not be sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. Even if you're doing everything right and you're putting that baby on a schedule or whatever it is that you're doing, you're still probably going to be sleep deprived. And so that's going to lower your testosterone level. So taking a nap and having sex right after a nap or having sex early in the morning, it's going to be more pleasurable. And as well for women, a, a big libido interference for women is just all the things that are on our mind. Mm-hmm. And so usually in the morning, we don't have so much on our mind. By the time I go to bed, I'm amazed. Just like windows open on my computer, there are different programs running. I've had so many programs running. It's hard for me to shut all of those down and go to a place of eroticism. But in the morning, I'm a little drowsy. And honestly, it's easier for me to be in touch with my body and the testosterone levels are higher, and so things are likely to be more pleasurable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it may mean like for you know, we feed the baby, we get up, the baby has its five a.m. feeding or six a.m. feeding, and then instead of getting up and jumping in the shower, you're like, I'm gonna get back in bed and we're gonna we're gonna have some intimacy together because that is really the best time it's just not a traditional time
0: mm-hmm. and a lot of what i hear you saying in a lot of this advice is just being sensitive and flexible uh, your environment is changing your body is changing your relationship is changing your hormone levels are changing and so it's it's not just getting the help which is key but also always asking the question what does it look like to prioritize intimacy in this season and a sleep schedule is a big thing. So that sleep schedule for that baby is going to change in six months and, you know, then in a few years. And so you're always kind of needing to flex. Exactly.
1: And I just want to also say, Julie, it is so important, the mindset that a, a new mom has, it's easy to think sex is yet another thing that I'm doing for someone else. I do so much now for this baby and but if sex is going to be good for her, as good for her as it is for him, she really has to hold on to the idea that she is a sexual person and that she's having sex for her, not just something she does for him, that it's good for her too. And she is worthy of the time that it takes to get her sexually aroused and excited. And often in that postpartum period, it's just going to take longer than it used to because of fatigue, because of, as Heather mentioned, just fear of like, is this going to hurt? And so the body can be armoring up a little bit. It's not, it doesn't relax perhaps as it used to, uh, as quickly as it used to. But for her to really work on that mindset, this is for me, this is about not just something I do for him. And that can help a woman slow down and receive, get in that mindset, I am going to receive from him. And I have found most husbands are so happy to be the giver. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. It's just as women, we're
2: not um, socialized to be the recipient. We are socialized to always be the giver. Mm -hmm. I've heard women even saying, I feel selfish. I'm like, no, this is being authentic and real and allowing yourself to be pleasured and enjoy that moment that you have
0: well human bodies are complex right i mean women's bodies specifically are capable of incredible things and it makes sense that there might be some challenges to overcome when it comes to developing a new normal after pregnancy Well, I'm grateful for these two ladies, Jennifer and Heather, and the perspective that they were able to bring to this conversation that can be painful and difficult for so many couples. Even after pregnancy, God has a beautiful design for sex in your marriage. And I hope that despite any challenges that you might be facing, you and your spouse are able to pursue healing and wholeness in this area together. If you'd like to hear more from Jennifer and Heather, we've included links to both of their websites. And actually Jennifer is part of our virtual reclaim conference coming up February 15th. And so if you haven't registered yet, make sure you click the link in the show notes and register. I just want to tell you that her presentation at this conference is hilarious and insightful and helpful. You're not going to want to miss it. Well, I hope this episode has blessed you and encouraged you. And if you're listening to job with Julie on your podcast app, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a rating and review to let us know how this ministry is impacting you. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for taking the time to join me and I'll see you next time for Java with Julie.